Damn, son, where'd you find this? You are now tuning into Bros Let's Talk. Welcome in to another episode of Bros Let's Talk, the podcast where guys come to be dudes. Pat here with Jimmy and Andy. How you gentlemen doing today? Good. How are you? Good. Andy? I'm great. Football's back. Football is back indeed. Week one of the 2017-2018 NFL season is well underway. And man, does it feel great to have it back. But we'll talk more NFL later in the show as it will be a staple for us moving forward. We're pretty much going to dedicate a segment to it every week. So today's segments include the NFL on BLT, Just a Bit Outside, the debut of our new segment, Say My Name, and the GOAT for Gatorade flavor, breakfast cereal, and potato chip. Like we do every week, though, we'll start out by shooting the shit. Alright, so... 2017 saw Hollywood have its worst performance at the box office in for the summer in over a decade. Despite blockbuster hits like Wonder Woman, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Dunkirk, the overall box office numbers dipped 14.6% compared to last summer, which was still totaled $3.7 billion total, but that was the lowest summer box office numbers since 2006 put up $3.6 billion. Now, they say this is due in large part to box office flops with King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, Valerian, The City of a Thousand Planets, Baywatch, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, The Mummy, Transformers 5. Obviously, you can see there's a lot of movies that flopped this summer. And the haul over Labor Day weekend was especially low, totaling $96.2 million over the four days. So, leave it to Pennywise, the dancing clown, to swoop in and save the day, as it, based off of the Stephen King novel of the same name, came out this past weekend and projections are coming strong, with it set to earn $117 million in its opening weekend. So that... Smashes the record for an opening weekend in September with the previous title holder being Tr- Hotel Transylvania 2. Mm, at good 40. Movie. <laughs> it was a good movie, but it only made $48.5 million, so it's significantly lower. And it's total the second highest R-rated opening ever behind Deadpool's $132 million. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And I saw it last night. I told you guys it was really good. It was creepy. It was funny, actually. Scary, but... I didn't think it was too scary, and overall, I thought the storyline was good, but more so on what I was talking about before, do you guys, are you surprised to hear that the box office underperformed this summer, while there were seemingly a lot of good movies that came out, and why do you guys think the numbers are down? Um, I Hearing that it was down 15% was pretty shocking, um, but then the more you dive into it, I guess... Like, the movies that you named that were, I guess we'll call them the big movies of the summer, were were good movies by 
no indication. But there wasn't really like that huge summer blockbuster like there seemingly is every year. Um, Dunkirk was the one that stood out to me. Um, but I mean, not war movies aren't really all everybody's cup of tea. So that wasn't really shocking that that wasn't a huge opening or anything like that. But again, I'm, I'm just on the side that I don't think there was really a huge movie that came out and was supposed to do a ton of money. Like I, I think like the, um, what was the last Marvel movie that came out in the summer? I think the Spider-Man Spider-Man. That's right. Anyway, I just, I, I couldn't really think of anything when you put this topic up. I couldn't really think of a huge movie that came out this summer. So shocked that it's down that much. Um, but then the deeper you dive into it, I'm not really taken aback that much by it. So, Pat, when you say the box office, does that mean just the United States or internationally? That was total international. Okay. That was total? Yeah. Okay, because I was just reading um, earlier that Spider-Man Homecoming just grossed the $800 million mark worldwide, which means that that movie alone accounted for 25% of the box office total this summer, which yeah, is really? pretty... Sta- yeah. Well, now I mean, that you say that, it, maybe it is only... I'd have to look into it. The article, I don't know if it specified if it was in the U.S. only or worldwide, but you would think maybe they meant U.S. because it was focused on Hollywood where a lot of the movies are made. But I mean, even even if that is the case, uh, Spider-Man grossed almost $330 million in the U.S. alone, so that still is a tenth of, of the total uh, box office money for, for just one movie. And when you named the the four, or I guess in our opinion, probably most people's opinions, best movies, three of them were superhero movies, all of which had followings beforehand. I don't know how many people went and saw those movies that hadn't previously seen them or known anything about them. So there wasn't a huge, there there didn't seem to be a, a huge movie, Andy, like you said, that kind of just brought people out of the woodworks to come see it. Um, Dunkirk looks amazing. I haven't seen it in theaters yet because it looks very stressful, and I think I would have um, not a difficult time watching it, but I think that's a movie I'll enjoy more at home. Um, so, yeah, there, there wasn't that that movie that, that if, if you weren't a fan or didn't know anything of it, you'd go see it anyways. I had zero interest in The Mummy, even less in Transformers. Um, I don't even remember the other movies that came out. I still haven't seen Baywatch yet. I heard that was funny, but not anything like a like a typical rock movie that you would see. Um, I will not see it. I have no intention of seeing it. I don't even want to talk would, about that what movie. What would we have to do um, to get you to see it? What would you have to do to get me to see it? You would have to somehow get a um, neuralizer from Men in Black and erase my memory after seeing it so I didn't have to remember that I saw the movie. Dude, I'm telling you, it's not that bad. I went yesterday, and I I don't like scary movies. I'll be the first to admit that like, I get freaked out after I see a really scary movie. And we were sitting there, and all the previews ahead of the movie are all naturally for scary movies because we're sitting <laughs> waiting for a scary movie to start, and I'm sitting there watching, and there was like, 14 previews yesterday it was ridiculous i've never seen so many previews in front of a movie 
But I'm sitting there, and as each preview comes on, I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I doing? What did I get myself into? I don't even like these kind of movies. <laughs> and then the movie starts, and there's, like, really creepy music in the beginning. And I was like, oh, man, I think I got to get up. I Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this. But then I just kind of toughed it out. And the thing about it was it was definitely creepy, like, when he was Pennywise. But... I feel like I always knew when he was going to pop out. It still like kind of freaked you out to see him, but it, there was only one or two times where I was really like kind of jumped because it caught me off guard. But I just thought it was a good movie in general. And kind of going off what you were saying a little bit there, Jimmy, too, is I think when you read a list of the names of movies that came out, the only one of those that is a sequel was Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but a lot of these other movies that are coming out nowadays, I feel like Hollywood is just really stale right now. Everything's Agreed. becoming a remake. Very stale. And, like, Baywatch. Like, okay, that's a decent idea, I guess, for a movie, but from the trailers that I saw, it looked ridiculous, and no part of me ever really wanted to see it. Yeah, was it probably kind of funny, but no, I'm not expecting anything out of Baywatch or transformers the last night or whatever it was called it's like medieval like they've gone way off the rails with that franchise i just feel like hollywood's at a point where they're recycling ideas and either it works or it doesn't and even with it this is obviously not the first time this has been made into a movie but if it's well done it can make a ton of money but now a lot of it's just like throwing darts at a dartboard i feel like the next two movies i want to see are um, Kingsman, which is a sequel, and uh, Blade Runner, which is, yeah, Blade uh, Runner looks I think, a like remake. a sequel. Okay, so it is a remake. But either way, well, again, I think two, it technically is. They're kind of pitching right? it as it's, a sequel. It's, but it's like a remake. It's like, yeah, it's, like a con- it's like a continuation of the story. Right. Like, so, way down but, the line. But like you said, the next two big movies I want to see are either a sequel or a standalone to a sequel. It's... I, like you said, Pat, things are starting to be recycled, and and either it's good or it absolutely sucks. Kind of, I don't know. I the more I kind of get my head wrapped in circles thinking about this, from the exact same thing that I said earlier. Just it's shocking to hear that numbers are down that much because that I mean that's a huge percentage. Yeah, fourteen percent's right? pretty big. But then also I flip back and I'm like, oh yeah, I guess there wasn't really anything that was that huge. I was trying to think too of um, of the weather over this, over the summer because I bet that has a huge part to play in that if there's like a bunch of rain on weekends and things like that. That's an interesting but, point. See, I, 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 I think you kind of sum it up perfectly, Andy, when you say like you look at the number and it's surprising but then you look at the movies came, that came out, and it's like not really that surprising, but it's just such a big number that I guess when you're talking billions, though, the smallest dip is going to be a bigger percentage than, you know, obviously like something in the True. millions. Right, right. All right, moving on. Um, for a while, we had this family off of our mouths, um, and then last week they popped up again, and this is, of course, referring to the Ball family. Um, it's been just announced, I think last week, that LeVar Ball, the father of the Ball children, is going to be appearing in NBA 2K, the video game. Of course and, he is. 
not in any huge amount or anything like that, but if you're a fan of the 2K franchise, um, a lot of times they'll have experts that tweet on a phone or text message you or things like that, and he'll be one of the personalities that will be appearing in that form. Um, the only reason I brought this up was because the other characters that are involved in that are like Darren Ravel and in Madden they had they used to have Skip Bayless and those guys. Um, do you guys think that this has just gone way over the top? I mean, I know we talk about the Ball family in excess, just of how ridiculous and how much they're in the news, but. I read this and it, the, my first initial gut reaction was just why? Like, I just didn't understand. I know he's been popular out in the news and everything like that, but it just seems like a ridiculous thing that Two K is doing is going in and including him in this video game. Yeah, I hate it. Not gonna lie, I think it's pretty stupid because, like you said, Andy, in the other games that they feature this kind of thing it's it's an expert or somebody who's accredited as a journalist or something like that and with him in all honesty the only opinion that he has that matters is the one about his son and anything else that ever comes out of his mouth in reference to any athlete of any sport is just talking shit about him saying how he could beat them at their game and that no one's as good as his son so pretty much all that this feature is going to be is when you do your my player, you're going to get drafted and you're going to have this every once in a while, you're going to have this message that pops up like, oh, LeVar Ball says Pat Riley couldn't ball if his life depended on it. And then it's it, and it's like it's useless. Like what? It's just marketing for them. And I think it's kind of stupid of uh, a franchise like NBA 2K, which is probably one of the best sports franchise ever for video games would give in to something stupid like this yeah i don't i don't know why they would do that either um he he doesn't he doesn't even seem like he would want to do something like that but then when everything we know about lavar ball you obviously know he does want to do something like this um so I talked to a lot of my students at school and they love to do what is it called you said my player where you essentially it's like you're in career mode, correct? Yeah, you get so, drafted right. into the NBA. Right, and and they seem to enjoy the the process of going through that more so than they do playing the games. Or they like to, to if they're not doing that, um, like play GM and like trade all the guys and start their own team. So I wonder if that decision has to do with the way kids are playing the games and they're trying to make it more interactive and trying to hope some 10, 12, 14-year-old would actually get offended by LeVar's comments that he's going to say to you in the game and maybe try and create more of a lifelike experience, I guess as much of a lifelike as you could for a video game with kids. Um, but other than that, I, I honestly don't see any upside or reasoning for having him in the game other than that because it doesn't seem like the NBA is too big of a fan of LeVar Ball. He seems to be just starting controversy and being all over the place, and I'm sure they want his exposure as limited as possible. Um, so, yeah, like you guys, I don't I don't really get it either. I just think it's a publicity stunt for both of them um, because now, obviously, things like this, you get 
you get people talking about now NBA 2K is in everybody's mouths and it's still, true. I think, That's a month true. away from being dropped. So, I mean, mission accomplished then for yeah. them. Yeah, now you're that, right. Now that I think about it too, I remember probably about like a month, maybe a month and a half ago, seeing it reported that Lonzo's signature shoe, the Zoe 2s, were going to be featured in the game. So thinking of that. He just came out with the Zoe 1s. What does he need a second well, edition no, they're, for? They're called the Zoe 2s. It's his first shoe, but they're called oh, the Zoe 2s. Okay. I was that's so his confused. Okay, gotcha. I was <laughs> yeah. so confused with what was going on. <laughs> no, yeah, he released his second shoe four weeks after his first shoe. It was crazy. I could, I could totally see the Ball family doing that. But it's, it definitely seems like that was part of the deal. Like, because they're their own independent company. We talked about this last week. They probably yep. came to them and be like, hey, we want to feature Lonzo's shoe in the game. And instead of just saying yes, like you should have, he's like, you know, I'll let you put the shoes in the game if you put me in the game. Yeah, that's a great point. I so, mean, if that's the case, that's pretty brilliant marketing on his part. Indeed. Good for them. All right, so moving on, but kind of st- sticking with the um, the movie theme. Um, I don't know if you guys heard or not, but Disney in 2019 is starting their own streaming service, and they're pulling all the Disney content from Netflix. There was talk to have um, talks to have, I believe, Star Wars and Marvel stay on Netflix, but that has since since stopped. And now they're going to pull uh, Marvel and Star Wars onto their streaming service. So I read today that in order for Disney to break even, they need to generate at least 32 million subscribers at $9 a month. Um, I know Disney is a giant right now. They own uh, ABC. They own ESPN. They own Marvel. They own the Star Wars rights. However, I feel like everything being on Netflix was just was so convenient. Like everything you wanted to watch was on Netflix. I don't know if I want to pay ten bucks a month to have access to uh, the Disney streaming service when I have the majority of the DVDs, and I believe they're going to come up with their own content. But I'm not a child anymore. I know I have kids, and they'd probably like it. But what do you guys think about? seemingly now there's so many different streaming services that of course you have to pay for and is it oversaturation or is it just companies taking advantage of what's rightfully theirs and trying to make money like like a company like netflix is see i think this one in particular with disney trying to step out and create their own network that's such a huge company that it's kind of surprising that they haven't done something like that already um and I think, I think really the Marvel, uh, the Marvel movies, it, I think that's going to end up being such a small part of this streaming service. I mm-hmm. think it's going to be mostly for parents that have kids and are going to, they're going to have. I don't want to generalize and just say it's going to be all cartoons, but kids, kids shows on this streaming service. Right. So, so they're going to have all the old movies. The new and future movies, I believe, all the television content, and I think they're going to develop their own content as well. Right. So in the grand scheme of things, I think the stuff that they're pulling from Netflix right now is going to be a small portion. While it sucks for people our age, I don't think it really hurts Disney too much to leave that contract with Netflix. Okay. 
Now, what does that mean for TV series like Daredevil and Luke That's Cage the first and thing. Iron Fist? Because those are Netflix originals, but they Correct. are Marvel-owned. Correct. So, uh, I honestly don't know the answer. I would have to assume that they would have to say on Netflix, wouldn't they? That's what I would think because they're, they have some sort of deal in place with they Netflix. They have a, a licensing agreement. Correct. And I don't think they can just break that because they started their own new network but i don't know that for sure so see i'm sure there's some little clause in there yeah see i understand this from a business standpoint because like Mm -hmm. andy said this is a massive corporation and they own not only marvel but the star wars enterprise i mean they have a lot of content that they could put out and build upon but as a consumer i hate this because right there's already Netflix and Hulu and other services that, you know, you kind of have to pick or choose because at the end of the day, you don't want to end up spending 40 to $50 a month for streaming in addition services to cable. in addition to your cable. So right. it was nice that they had that deal in place with Netflix. Like you said, it's convenient. As far as the movie standpoint, that doesn't bother me as much because honestly, most movies come out on uh, Redbox within... A couple weeks of their release on DVD, and you can go rent it for one night for like a dollar or dollar fifty, whatever it costs, and then you know move on. The convenience factor is nice having it straight on your TV, but yeah, it's just annoying that they had something in place. It seemed like everything was going smooth, and then they just decided to branch off and do their own thing and make people have to pay for an extra service. So fuck right. you, Disney, you suck. But you don't really suck, but you suck right now. And I wonder what this means going forward for cable. Yeah, I don't know. It's With all these different types of services out there, like, uh, I don't know. It's crazy. People are just going to start kind of paying for what they want. I know there's there's Agreed. certain yep. companies that are so starting too. to do stuff like that where you can kind of pick what you want to pay for, and then they make up a plan based on that. So I think technology cool. is cool, screwing man. us over. Yeah. All right, so moving on to our next topic. News came out that Antonio Cromartie, former cornerback of the San Diego Chargers and New York Jets, became a father for the 14th time this past weekend. So a little golf clap for that longevity. That doesn't come easy. Good for him. And on top of it being his 14th child, it is his third child since he had a vasectomy. That's now, even more incredible. Now, I'm not a doctor, but either this dude has the strongest swimmers of all time or got completely duped by a doctor he went to and has a huge medical malpractice lawsuit on his hands because you're not supposed to have kids after you get a vasectomy. I know it happens from time to time, but for it to happen three times, I think it definitely didn't work. Or he just actually never got Ooh. a vasectomy and his baby mama's the most gullible person in the world. Well, if that's the I, case, this is probably more like his 22nd or 23rd child because God knows there's illegitimate ones laying around <laughs> oh, out yeah. there. I mean, that is just, that that's an insane story. I just, I, I'm not sure why after it happens the second time after you've had a vasectomy and you're still having kids, why you won't just wear a damn condom? Or have well, your see, wife it, go on it's birth funny because it's one of those things where, like, I read it. It was like Antonio Cromartie has 14th child, third since vasectomy. And I was just like, 
Oh yeah, it seems like we were due for that story. I feel like that pops up like once every yeah, two or three every, years. Yeah, every couple of years we're talking about it again. That's so true. I and it it's come to the point where now it was like it was funny when he had like ten kids, and now it's like you said, it's almost like a regular occurrence. Like, oh, there's another kid from Antonio Cromarty. Yep. and it's just no big deal anymore. You're right. We we've become we become uh, <laughs> normalized. To yeah. It kind of immune to hearing the story. You think they have a record in the Guinness Book of World Records for most kids post-vasectomy? Maybe. We should petition that they get that that (laughs) added because Antonio Cromartie would probably be at the top of that list. That's a really good question. I I don't even know how I'd go about looking that up. I guess just Google it and see if we find anything. I guess. I'm on the train that he never got a vasectomy and he just told his baby mama that. It's like, oh yeah, for sure, and I don't know why he would do that. He's paying for all these kids, but that's what I'm saying. It's like at a certain point, you're right. Maybe if he didn't actually go through with it, dude, you should go through with it. You got <laughs> yeah. 14 kids now. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that I mean, that's got to be costing him so much money. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. Well, yeah, because it's with I think it's only with two different women, but. You figure that's like at least seven, probably with the one. So he's paying child support on all those kids, and with his salary that he makes, it's probably a ridiculous amount of child support. And then he's got a whole new batch of, you know, they could start their own seven-on-seven tournament. They could have two teams enter the tournament. He's going to end up on one of those financial shows about star athletes that went broke, but he's not going to do it in a ridiculous way like went out and bought gold chains. He's right. just going to go broke from all his child support. It's just going to say, like, on the screen, his name's going to pop up, Antonio Cromartie, and then the little thing underneath his name's going to say, continually impregnated women. <laughs> that is I wonder, insane. I wonder if that's the same. Uh, I think it was Gilbert Arenas um, had a bunch of kids that he was paying child support for. And technically, with child support, you have to have an active income. So... He got, I think it was within the last year, he got his final check from the NBA. Like, it was his last one that he would ever receive as an employee from the NBA. And he tweeted out something that he was so thankful for receiving his last check because he no longer had to pay child support because he he didn't have a, a steady income from the NBA. So I don't know if that's maybe Cromartie's plan is just once he's done playing, then that income's cut See, off and he doesn't that, have to pay child support anymore. That right that would there be goddamn brilliant. says it all. Those are the kind of guys that go around and have 10 <laughs> to 14 children with, with random women. Right. So that is, any, that is insane. If any young listeners are listening at home, use a condom. Don't be a fool. Wrap your tool. Always. All right. Um, good segue. Uh, with Cromartie, we're going into our NFL talk with Bros. Let's Talk, like Pat alluded to earlier. Uh, this is going to be a staple. I think we're going to end up taping on Sunday nights now going forward. So we're going to be right uh, towards the end of the second slate of games, but we'll have a majority of them already wrapped up. And so we're going to talk about the biggest storylines from those games, also what's gone on in the last week. Uh, with the NFL. So, jumping out, uh, Pat, why don't you start us off with our NFL talk? 
All right. Well, the biggest story I would say from the week one took place before, well, not before. It was after the first game with the Patriots and Chiefs, but before the big slate of games took off this Sunday, and that was that uh, a Texas judge uh, agreed to a temporary restraining order for Ezekiel Elliott for the six-game suspension that was handed down from the NFL, which in layman's turn, basically says that his suspension is going to be put on hold while their illegal process unfolds, and it's more likely than not that he's going to play the entire season this year, and if he does end up facing suspension, it's going to happen next year, the 2018 NFL season. So, obviously, a huge, hugely different scenario than what you're expecting going in. You go into the season thinking Zeke's going to miss the first seven weeks of the season because they had a bye week seven. Now all of a sudden the Cowboys are getting them for a whole season. Obviously they went 13 and three last year, lost in the first round of the playoffs, but it was a big improvement from the year previous. Uh, Zeke led the league in rushing. I think he won offensive rookie of the year, pretty much all those accolades. And yeah, it, it's huge for the Cowboys that they get him back. You're starting your season with the uncertainty of if you're going to have your star guy behind that star offensive line. And now with this judge's decision, they get him for the entire season and get a chance to improve upon what they did last year. So obviously that was huge. I don't know if you guys want to touch on that at all, but definitely, definitely big news. The biggest takeaway for me, um, I was, I was very shocked only because everything that was coming out was that he was going to serve that six game suspension it was going to start, maybe if not week one, it would have started week two. Um, so I I was blown away when I heard that. But then the second piece of that, and it relates back to the most recent suspensions of uh, Le'Veon Bell and Tom Brady. Um, both of them had their hearings delayed and put off, just like Zeke did with this. But both of them ended up serving their full suspensions. So at did the uh, end of, uh, Adrian Peterson, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Um, so I think it's inevitable that he is going to serve. I still don't think it's going to be six. I think it'll end up being four, um, as long as he doesn't get into trouble between now and then, which would be absurd. But which he hasn't proven he can stay out of up to exactly. This point. So I think whenever that suspension does hand down or come down on him, he's still going to serve whatever it is. It's not like this is going to go away completely because I think Goodell and the NFL has way too big of egos just to let this drag out and become a legal battle and then have him let off scot-free. So and eventually whenever it comes, it's going to it's gonna be over for Zeke. He's going to serve either however many games. Um, what I do think is a little bit risky on the Cowboys' part though is they don't know when this is going to get picked back up correct so my first thought was that if this does get dragged out into the season not only is zeke going to be in court battles during the season when he could be practicing or potentially during games um this could end up getting settled around playoff time and that suspension could hit late in the season potentially right when the playoffs are starting it's it's a question mark at this point and i started i started leaning on the 
fact that I thought he should just end up serving his four games or six games or whatever now get it out of the way so that there is no risk of that potentially happening because that's that's absolute worst case scenario is you make it to the playoffs and then you lose your number one player on your team I think this whole thing is just a mess there have been so many conflicting reports about whether or not they they meaning the NFL believe um his girlfriend or whatever she is termed as or whether or not they believe him um like you said, it's a six-game suspension. Now, I, I think he has a restraining order against the NFL, correct? Is that what it is? Right. Yeah. And I guess I don't – is is he fighting to get the suspensions overturned? Or is he saying he wasn't treated fairly? I don't even know what, what his defense is in court. He's arguing against the procedure in which the NFL followed leading to – the decision to suspend him. So the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, the the way that they looked into him. He's questioning the tactics that they used, procedures, okay. stuff like that. So he's not even denying that he's guilty. He's just saying that the well, way his, that his the best case was. scenario is that the NFL took a misstep in doing their due diligence, and he's going to get off on a technicality. Okay. So that's what he's shooting for right now. That's best case scenario. And I just, Andy, kind of like what you said, and we had talked about this in text, I think he'll be making more money next year. So he actually stands to lose more next year if he's suspended, unless, of course, the Cowboys do what the Patriots did and shift around some money. But if, if, if he did do it and he is guilty, I think he should just accept the suspension and get it over with because no one has beaten the system. Brady didn't. Peterson didn't, Bell didn't, and they're all bigger stars than he was, especially at the time that their incidents uh, occurred. So this is just another thing that we're going to have to hear about and talk about all season long just to inevitably hear him being suspended either at the end of this year or next year, which is just ridiculous. It's like deflate gate all over again. Yep. It's going to get drawn out just like that. Obviously, it's it's more serious. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. Deflategate was made such a big deal because of the ridiculousness of the idea that all that all that lawsuits and everything like that was because of because of deflated balls and potentially cheating. This is obviously a much more serious allegation, but Agreed. whatever. Agreed. All right. Um my uh, I want to talk about um Thursday night's game. And how the Chiefs just routed the Pats. And I was shocked. I mean, all you heard about for weeks leading up to that game was how the Patriots have a chance to go undefeated, how Brady's this, how Belichick is that. And and then the Chiefs just come in and pretty much gave him a big FU, and they unleashed Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt, and Alex Smith had one of the best games of his life. And if you look back, I believe the last time they played is when the Chiefs beat them 44 to 10 on Monday night. Alex Smith, Alex Smith was dominant in that game. Um, it was being said that the Patriots were done. Brady was too old. I'm sure those talks have started again. And while I don't think that's the case, I do think we should all, everyone, should caution themselves when, when praising past championships or past victories because every year they oh you know the nfl is 
It's different from year to year, yet we seem to hold on to the champions and and want to lift them up super high and then the bad teams and say, well, they're going to stay bad. And I don't think the Patriots are going to be bad. I'm sure they'll still win that division. That's pretty easy and has been for them for a long time. But um, did you guys watch the game? And I, if so, I watched the what whole did you thing. Think? Yeah, yeah, me too. I watched it too, and I am someone who was surprised by the outcome as well, but I am also pumping the brakes on – jumping off and i'm not on the bandwagon, but jumping off that the patriots aren't still the favorite because right right some of the things you mentioned that beat down that they took at the hands of the chiefs a few years ago everyone knows they went on to win the super bowl that year mm-hmm. and tom brady bounced back had a great season there's a lot all these stats out there the last three times i think they lost their season opener they won the super bowl that season oh and wow to me the craziest thing though was i thought that the patriots looked good not great up until that fourth quarter and then the wheels kind of just fell off but they right. had that game kind of not in hand but they were in control of that game for most of it it wasn't brady's best performance there was a lot of new pieces they had coming in that they were kind of working in and to me the craziest thing though was when i saw that that was the first game that the patriots have ever lost while trail or go leading going into the fourth quarter since Brady's been their quarterback. They were 105-0 and previously. That's so astonishing. Andy, you mentioned it when we did our picks last week that Kansas City is a solid team, though. They are really good defensively, and the addition of Kareem Hunt to that backfield is going to be huge for them because they have two really fast players now that can make plays. One thing um, that was kind of crazy, though. Did you guys see that uh, Tyreek Hill was offsides on his 75-yard touchdown? I did really, not see that. Clearly lined up over the line, and they oh, damn, got missed. So, but I, I wouldn't overreact if I was a Patriots fan. I, you know, they're going to be fine. But I think Kansas City is also a damn good team, so they shouldn't really, you know, worry about it too much. It's one game. Yeah, I just, I, I couldn't believe the amount of disrespect that Kansas City was getting going into that game. I mean, they've been a playoff team. I think the last three years. Andy um, Reid, I heard this. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, no, I don't know how no. long he's been coaching for, but I believe he's only had two or three years where he's where he hasn't won double-digit games in yeah. like 18 or 19 years. He's got a pretty incredible record. And then um, Maurice Jones-Drew actually talked about this on NFL Network saying after a bye week or going into a season opener when he has extra time to prepare for a team, his – his record is, I don't remember the exact numbers, but pretty incredible as well. So Andy, like he's, you said, he's the, something like, uh, I think he's like 14 and Oh, or something like that coming off bye weeks. Yeah. So, so the amount of disrespect and you're right about that they were getting was, was very unjust and very undeserved. Yeah. I, I mean, Kansas city's offense, I thought looked great. Um, but at the same time, I didn't think new England's defense looked good. No. Um, the offense looked like it was kind of clicking just like it normally does with those short little dump-offs, uh, getting their random plug-in running backs to go and do whatever they need to. Um, I thought New England's defense did not look good, though. Kansas City's defense took a huge hit, though, losing Eric Berry. Oh, I, I, and yeah. you feel so bad for that guy because everything he's overcome because all oh, comes all the way back, signs his extension, and blows out his Achilles in the first game of the season. Yeah, that well, sucks, that's the thing. That's about as bad as you, you can feel after a forty-five or forty-one to twenty-seven win over the Patriots right. because you lose your heart and soul, your defense. Yep. Yep. 
absolutely. All right, uh, going on to our final topic uh, from the NFL this week. I just wanted to touch on uh, the rookies in week one. And obviously there's still a few games going on, but um, some of the higher profile rookies that ended up making the field, we already talked about Kareem Hunt, who had the enormous game, 148 rush yards with a touchdown, and then also 98 receiving yards with two touchdowns. Um, Deshaun Kaiser, quarterback of the Browns, uh, he got his first start of his career, and I thought he played pretty well against the Steelers. Yeah, he looked pretty uh, decent today. Held them in that game. He went 20 for 30 for with 220 yards, a TD, and a pick. Then he also had 20 rushing yards with a, with a touchdown. Um, Deshaun Watson, who did not start the game, but because they went down so big to the Jacksonville Jaguars, saw the field. Um, he went 12 of 23 with 100 yards, a touchdown, and an INT. Um, and then the other standout rookie performance was TJ Watt, younger brother of JJ Watt, who plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was their first round pick. He had two sacks and an INT in that game. And little known fact, JJ Watt has never had two sacks and an INT in a game before, even though they play different positions. But that was, of course, thrown out there with the comparison to his older brother. So I just wanted to recognize the rookies that were making the field. Obviously, there's a bunch of higher profile ones that still are sitting on the bench, but these were the big ones that hit the field and I thought put up pretty decent stats. Yeah, I wanted to give a quick shout-out, too, to Bears rookie Tariq Cohen, who had a good game today. Uh, five carries, 66 yards, and eight catches for 47 yards. So 113 total yards and a receiving touchdown. Definitely was a good change of pace back. Everyone was comparing him to Darren Sproles coming out of college. He went to a smaller school, but... He looked every bit the part today for the Bears, who lost a tough one. But a lot to be excited about with that guy. But, yeah, I mean, you touched on it, Andy. These are the kind of things where I feel like it's becoming less and less surprising every year that these guys are coming into the league and making immediate impacts in week one because, ideally, that's what you want out of your your draft classes for guys to come in and be able to make immediate impacts. And whenever you can find a guy... Uh, it's a huge bonus for your team to get that kind of production from a rookie. Yeah, I, I agree, and um, I think that I mean when you when you think about after the NFL ends from the beginning of February up until the end of April, beginning of May, all you hear about is the draft, 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 mock drafts, the combine. Teams spend so much money and time investing in researching these players that. You almost they almost have to come in right away and make some kind of an impact. Um, that's why I don't I don't especially after today, don't totally understand the the Bears thought process and in, in hiding Trubisky on the bench. Um, Glennon was average to below average for three quarters. He was balling in the fourth quarter, which you know which was good. We, we had a chance to win the game and we didn't we didn't lose because of him. We had two drop touchdowns. Um, in the end, but I just feel like you have the number two pick in the draft. He's not sitting behind Brett Favre like Aaron Rodgers was. Let the kid go out and play. I mean, Glennon looked like a statue standing in the pocket for three quarters, was not able to move. So if if it's me and I'm playing on a team and I'm watching them for however many weeks it's been and I can see that this guy is better than the option we have now, I'm probably pretty pissed off that he's not in the game and giving us the best chance to win 
because I'm not guaranteed to be on this team next year if you're a, a bubble guy or a second stringer. So you want to win, and you want to win now. And I think that that's, that's what some of these rookies are showing, and it's kind of disappointing that our arguably biggest, most popular rookie in Chicago right now isn't given that opportunity. Can't argue there. Would have been nice to see him out there, but we'll see where this gets us. Yep. It, yeah. It, it was only game one. We have we have a lot of the season to go, so we'll see how it goes moving forward. I guess just just venting a little bit after. And I, I told us I was like, damn it, I know what's gonna happen. The Bears are sucking me in. They're getting me involved. They're getting me excited, and they're gonna break my heart. And sure enough, what do they do? They break my heart at the end of the game. But it's only week one. I have a long time to freak out. Uh, moving on, we're going to um, go to one of my favorite segments just a bit outside where we discuss um, people who do or say things just a little bit out of the ordinary. Um, maybe not out of the ordinary for them, but out of the ordinary for society in general. So, Pat, why don't you begin? All right. My candidate this week is Florida-based conservative radio talk show host Rush Limbaugh. Dickhead. Sorry. (laughs) Dick Limbaugh. He had a very interesting take on his show last week when he suggested that the liberal media was trying to scare people in order to hype a climate change agenda and to boost bottled water sales. He is a known denier of human-caused climate change and for some reason decided to take the seriousness of a hurricane to make it political. His comments hinted that meteorologists may be over-exaggerating on the seriousness of the storms and that he didn't think that they would be that bad. To his credit, he did disclaim that he's not a meteorologist, so the thoughts on the severity of the hurricane should not be considered by anyone at all. And don't get me wrong, I know that liberals control majority of media outlets and there are times where they do use these outlets to push their agendas, but to try and brush off Hurricane Irma mere weeks after Hurricane Harvey hit and decimated a large area of Houston is just straight up ignorant. People in Florida need to look at what happened in Houston and take every precaution necessary to try and save themselves and salvage what they can. But most importantly, get the hell out of there. And in the end, it looks like Limbaugh realized the error of his ways as it was reported that he had evacuated the state of Florida himself. So just just a weird move. Just a bit outside. All right, going on to pretty good segue into mine. Um, My just a bit outside candidate is um, a couple of Instagram models. who took to wait like Instagram quote unquote models or actual models on Instagram? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't know if you meant like actual models on Instagram or like their quote unquote no, Instagram models. It's like models. chicks that are famous because they take pictures of themselves right. on okay. Instagram. Got it. Okay. So this is just calling out two of them specifically because it's the article that I read about it. Um, posted their posts and so this is about the hurricanes and so this is lana alexandra from san juan puerto rico and she posted an instagram caption that said just want to tell you guys that i'm fine and it wasn't bad at all still have two days of vacation here and going to take as much as i can out of it 
for now I want to share this photo that so-and-so took of me a few days ago. Hope you enjoy. Hashtag Dallas Models. Hashtag Texas Models. Hashtag Models. Hashtag Vegas Photographer. Hashtag Sexy. Hashtag Legs for Days. Hashtag Sin City. Blah, 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 blah. So... It's a yes. lot of hashtags. The next model is Dana ha- Dana Ham, and she posted, sending warm thoughts and positive vibes to beautiful St. Martin today. Looks like they got hit pretty bad, so just keep them in your prayers. Just remembering this peaceful moment the last time I was there. Photo by Scott Schisler. Hashtag prayers. Hashtag St. Martin. Hashtag Caribbean. Hashtag island life. Hashtag, hashtag peace. Hashtag Hurricane Irma. So, so they uh, they're yeah. they're pimping themselves out during a hurricane that is decimating these islands and killing. So people. the comments aren't really that off kilter by themselves, but these Instagram captions are tagged with a completely ridiculous picture. The first one is this girl sitting on a bed, legs spread in lingerie, and the second one is this girl sitting naked in the water facing away from the camera with the side of her tit hanging out. So while alone, the comments don't look that horrible, but they are calling out the damages of hurricanes and sending thoughts and prayers while posting a picture of them wearing basically nothing. So just a bit outside followers and comments and wasn't wasn't puerto rico decimated pretty bad along with saint martin yeah so essentially people are going to search hashtag hurricane irma and they'll get some bitch spread eagle on a bed and some side boob action exactly yeah i'm sure they're for the cause wow that that is just that is infuriating on on so many levels that that if that's how you make your career, like that's fine, obviously. But there's a time and a place to maybe you can still post your pictures. Just don't associate yourself with with the hurricane. That's that's just not a good look. Um, speaking of not a good look, we're gonna talk about Roger the Clown Goodell. Um, the other day, I believe last week, sometime he was interviewed on FS1 um, by Chris Carter and Nick Wright, I believe, and they were talking to him just about the state of the NFL, whatever. And they brought up Colin Kaepernick. And he closed out his statement by saying, I am not an NFL expert, when they asked him if he should be an NFL team. Well, Roger, you run the fucking NFL, so please tell me how you're not an NFL expert. That that had to... If He would have been better off just saying, I'm not answering this question. Instead, you... You... You, um... You take what what Barstool did with that towel and and the clown nose on your face and and you just keep supplying more and more evidence as to why you're a fucking clown. Like how, how could you how could you sit there and make that statement when you run the NFL? That's like a superintendent saying, "Well, I'm I'm no school expert or I'm no education expert or I'm not an expert <laughs> on students. You run a fucking school district. What do you mean you're an expert on students?" So this guy is making money hand over fist. He's making money for the NFL hand over fist. He is their whipping boy, and he is totally cool with it. And I'm just tired of seeing and hearing about this guy. I really he's am. He's a huge asshole. Just a bit outside. He's made, what, over $200 million in the 10 years he's he's been commissioner? That's insane. Yep. Insane. Rough life. Yeah, right? Exactly. 
All right. Nice job this week, guys. Those are some good candidates, I would say, just people being assholes. So we're going to stay on them. Anytime it comes up, we're yeah, going to we talk are. about it. Because we're here for the people. Exactly. And that leads us into a new segment that I'm pretty excited about. It's called Say My Name. Say my name, say my name. Tom Royal, Smoochie Wallace. Hi, my name is... Morris Jamar, Jamaris and Lamar. Now, say my name. Dinklage Morgoon. And basically what it is, is if anyone's ever seen the sketch, the East-West Bowl on Key and Peele, it's a take on that essentially, but we realized that when that video came out, I thought it was like the funniest thing ever because it seemed so true. And then we started looking through college football rosters and we realized that it is indeed true, and there are some seriously ridiculous names out there floating around in college football, so we wanted to touch on some of them. We'll probably do this like three or four, maybe five times throughout college football season, and then at the end, we're going to vote on an all-name te- all team. So what we're doing is we each had a conference, and we had to look through the teams and find three or four best names that we could find in said conference. So this week, Andy had the Big Ten, Jimmy had the Pac-12, and I had the SEC. So Andy, why don't you get us started with the Big Ten? All right. Um, I was kind of surprised. The Big Ten didn't have as many good names as I thought there would be, although there were some pretty good candidates within there once I did find them. So I'm going to start with my first one. Cornerback from The Ohio State University, Sinquan Haney. And Sinquan is spelled C-I-N apostrophe capital Q-U-A-N. There's a lot of apostrophe quans out there. I noticed that. Anyway, going on to my next yeah. candidate. Um, defensive back from Rutgers. Blessuan Austin. <laughs> Um, another player from Rutgers, running I back. Think, I don't think anyone sneezed, but go on. <laughs> running back from Rutgers, McDerby. <laughs> Sorry. McDerby Sinaeus. Uh, anytime you get a Mick in a first name, it's classic. Yeah, Mick, that is, that is pretty good. Capital D-E-R-B-Y, McDerby. <laughs> And then my final my final candidate is defensive back from Maryland, and that is Fofi Bazzi, F O F I E B A Z Z I E. Those are some damn I good ones. I believe it's Bazay. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry for laughing through that. No, those are great. Off to a great start. All right, Jimmy, why don't you get us started with the Pac-12? All right, so coming from the Pac-12, my my first candidate is a junior wide receiver out of Washington. His name is Chico McClatcher. <laughs> Can't make this stuff and up. You can fact check us. First name, I was like, okay, like whatever. And then I don't know why the last <laughs> name, just McClatcher, just makes me laugh. All right, next one, we have a running back out of Oregon. His name is... Cyrus Habibi Lakio. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and <laughs> Habibi Lakio is hyphenated. Oh, oh man. man. 
And my next one, Pat, sounds like a guy you would make up in a video game to go along with Gerard Force. And his name, he's a Kale wide receiver. His name is Grayson Bankhead. (laughs) Oh, my God. Nice. (laughs) So, I mean, like, Pat, like you said, there were, like, I found, like, 10 to 12 of them in the Pac-12. But these are the ones that just I would read and I would laugh out loud. So those are my three. All right. Yeah, I went through the SEC, and I felt like I knew there was going to be good ones because the SEC recruits in the Deep South, and I don't know, I feel like you get a lot of ridiculous names coming out of there. So I picked my top four because I had, again, I had like a list of like 12, and I just I couldn't distinguish the last few, so I went with four. My number one defensive tackle from Georgia, Daquan Hawkins-Muckle, Jesus hyphenated. Christ. And that's D-A apostrophe Quan. And then the last name is where it got me. Hawkins Muckle hyphenated. So number two, defensive lineman from South Carolina, Shamick Blackshear. Jesus. That that is a made up name. I'm pretty sure it's a made up name. Right? I like I feel like some of these guys aren't even on rosters. They're just throwing names in to see if people look into them. And we're doing it. So, all right, my here third the, one. Here for the people. Right? Third one, defensive tackle from the University of Kentucky, Nequez Pringle. <laughs> Pringle McCringleberry. That's right? <laughs> I've never tried that type of Pringle, but. All right, and number four, defensive back from Ole Miss, Kwesi Fountain. Oh, <laughs> how you spell that? K W E I S I, Quasi <laughs> Fountain, not Water Fountain, Quasi oh, Fountain. Man. All right, so let's say my name. We'll bring that a couple times throughout college football season, and we'll keep the names coming. We'll vote on an all-name team at the end, and that leads us into our final segment of today's episode: the goat. And this week's topics are Gatorade flavor, breakfast cereal, and potato chip. Just a quick rundown if it's the first time listening. We basically take three categories. We, all three of us, pick our greatest of all time for each category. And then at the end, we might throw in some honorable mentions of other ones that we had. So let's start with Gatorade flavors. Andy, why don't you get us started? All right. Um... This one was kind of tough for me because I I feel like I rotate on the Gatorades that I buy, um, but there's definitely three that I go for and kind of rotate. But I did end up settling on one, and my goat Gatorade flavor is Cool Blue. Um, I don't have any idea what it tastes like, but it's so refreshing, and the fact that blue is in the title just makes me want to say that it tastes exactly like what you think blue would taste like <laughs> it's a very good description and awkwardly See, it, i know what you're talking about it's funny yeah, because exactly when i when i was thinking of my flavors too i couldn't think how to describe any of them i just know how they taste and that they're amazing right so jimmy so well, cool blue jimmy you can go ahead with gatorade Okay, so I, before even this began, have a have a top seven list of my all-time favorite Gatorade, so this was a no-brainer for me. 
Um, my favorite Gatorade flavor is orange. I've always loved orange. It tastes nothing like an orange. It doesn't even taste similar to other orange-flavored drinks. Um, but, Andy, like you said about your Cool Blue, it just, it's so refreshing to me. Anytime after a workout or if I'm just super thirsty or whatever, I just love orange Gatorade. Um, I don't like it cold, though. I, I like it room temperature. I'll drink it out of the fridge or with ice, but I prefer it room temperature. Um, That's funny. That's how I like all my like sports drinks and things like that. Too. Yep. I am not a fan of them cold, but I will pick orange over every other Gatorade every day of the week. I'm a big fan of both of those flavors, but for me, when it came down to it, my goat for Gatorade flavors is citrus cooler, which was one of the original flavors that they came out with. And then it was off the shelf for a long time. And then when Gatorade had their 50th anniversary, I think it was in 2015, they re-released it. Because is it, it still out now? It's still out now. It was only supposed to be a limited time. They released it because it was Michael Jordan's favorite flavor. So I can honestly say I don't know if I've had that. See, it's... it's what color is it? It's like light orange. It's like an orangish-yellow I, I color. Think, I think I've had that. And it's like a more citrusy orange. So I love the orange Gatorade too, but it's more of like a citrusy flavor. And while you guys both like yours at room temperature, I made this my top choice because whenever I've actually used, because I drink Gatorade all the time, but when I've actually used Gatorade for its intended purpose of replenishing during exercise, a cold citrus cooler is like seriously the best thing you can imagine when you're like dying of thirst and you're sweating balls and you just chug this ice cold Gatorade. It's amazing. So definitely I'm recommend have to try that. Cause I really don't think I've ever had it before. It's the best. And if it's good enough for Michael Jordan, it's definitely good enough for me. And good enough to be in the goat. Yep. All right, Jimmy, why don't you go first then with breakfast cereals? All right. I have been just debating. Ad this, this was a tough about one. this because there are so many and, and, I have a top five, but those change at at probably every couple months in, in what I'm feeling and, and what, what my mood is and, and whatever. Um, but after going back and forth and debating and knowing, like, my palate of how I like to eat and what I like, I think my number one has to be Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Shit. I love, love the the cinnamon sugar flavor and my favorite part and this is i think why i ultimately picked it is the milk afterwards it's like yep. drinking horchata it's it's incredible and i can eat that dry no problem like some cereal that i like isn't as good dry as it is with milk this is as good i'm not going to say better but as good dry as is as it is with milk so i'm going to go with cinnamon toast crunch for my greatest breakfast cereal of all time definitely a good one i know i kind of had trouble with this one too when i put it on the list i started thinking about it and then i was like there's so many this could be this could easily be like a hall of fame or a mock draft too but we might revisit this again in the future but for me when it came down to it i think of a cereal that i've eaten probably more than any other cereals and i'm going with it because of the versatility and it's frosted flakes I knew you were going to say that. They are damn good. You can cut up a banana, throw it in there. 
Tastes amazing. I had amazing. that exact meal every day when we were in Florida this summer. Right? Cut Frosted up, Flakes with a banana every day. Cut up a strawberry, throw it in there, toss some blueberries in there. I've never had it like that. That sounds good, too. It's great. The sugary flakes, the corn flakes, pretty much just coated in sugar make it so much better than regular corn flakes. And at the end of it, you get this, like, sugary milk where mm-hmm. you chug mm-hmm. it down. It tastes pretty much any cereal that changes the taste of your milk is good with me. So I had some other ones on here, but we'll do our honorable mentions at the end. So Frosted Flakes is my goat. All right, um, so literally my one-two were Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Frosted Flakes. And just for um, just for reason of throwing out another one, um, my number three was Captain Crunch. And so awesome. Love Captain Crunch. Regular peanut butter or with berries? Regular. Okay. Regular all day. Just all, had to all check. Of, all of them are very good. But I'm going to go with just regular Captain Crunch. And I will say I'm not as big of a backer on Captain Crunch as the other two. But just to embrace debate, because you guys took my other two, I'll throw Captain Crunch my number three. My bad, okay. dude. I can it's respect okay. that. Captain yep. Crunch is so good, the only downfall is it destroys the roof of your mouth. True. So true. S- mm, destroys yeah, it. Point. It's terrible. All right, so our third topic is potato chip, which is another one where you could easily probably have had, I don't know, five to ten chips that you could choose from. So, Oh, dude, this one too, same thing. Um, I'll go first this time. This is a really tough one because I have like two chips that I think are probably equal in deliciousness. So I'm just gonna just gonna go out on a limb. Salt and vinegar Pringles. That now, that was my chip. Ah, see, I went with the right choice then. They're delicious. I also like salt and vinegar, like kettle cooked chips. Those are really good. Agreed. But Pringles, I feel like, has the most taste on their salt and vinegar chip, and just on the pure fact that you get literally the entire amount of chip per container ratio with Pringles as compared to like a half-filled bag of potato chips. That's a That's really a great good point. point. Yeah, I I'm, never thought about it. I'm that. going with salt and vinegar Pringles. They're amazing. The only problem I have with those is they never last more than a day. Yeah, I just eat the whole I, roll usually. I will open it, and, and <laughs> I'll, I'll try closing it, and 10 minutes later, I'm right back in that. Once you pop, the fun don't stop. And that's not it's not a lie. It's damn good marketing. It's so good. I love it. All right, Andy, why don't you go second? Okay. Um I had quite a few on this and I didn't know what route I was gonna take. Um so I went kind of just back to sort of an OG chip. Um and I I was flirting with Cool Ranch Doritos, but I didn't know if that was a potato chip technically. Um, we'll count it because more of a corn chip. That's not my choice. I'm okay, just saying. I'm saying we would have would have counted it. Okay, so I went back and I'm going with sour cream and onion lay potato chips. Okay. Classic, just regular potato chip, and then you got the sour cream and onion flavor. I think it's just a classic. You have them at barbecues and stuff like that. Goes well with as a side. So. I had a lot that I was going around with. I was going with kettle cooked chips as well, but the jalapeno flavor. Oh, those mm, are damn good. I those think are those real are good. real good. So I ended up settling on that, but 
felt good about it. All right, for mine, um, I thought you were going to steal my thunder for a sec there, Andy. I am going to go with Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> um, my life was forever changed when they came out with the Cool Ranch Doritos Locos Taco because they combined two of my favorite things, Taco Bell and Cool Ranch Doritos. Um, Pat, if I if I had to pick a chip, I'm going with the uh, salt and vinegar Pringles 10 times out of 10. But to change it up once in a while, or if I didn't have the option, Cool Ranch Doritos... I, again, I don't even know how to describe what those taste like because um, they don't really taste like ranch to me, which I guess where the cool part comes in to, <laughs> because it's not supposed to. I don't, it's not I don't know. regular ranch. It's right, cool yeah. ranch. Like it's, a, it's a little menthol-y ranch. <laughs> it, it's so weird because I guess if, if I were going to have to describe something similar to them, it would be ranch, but they don't taste like ranch to me. And I know that doesn't make any sense, but... That's how artificial ingredients work, I guess. So yeah, mine that's good, is that's another not a bad point. Cool Ranch Doritos. All right, let's run down some honorable mentions. I know you guys probably had some. Would you have oh, for, for Gator, sure. Gatorade flavor honorable mentions? Lemon lime. Yep, OG. that was my second one. Um, there, there's so many Gatorades. Uh, lemon lime and orange were my two backups, though. So Jimmy had orange, and then just regular OG. I had orange, I had lemon lime, I like um uh white glacier cherry and I like um Andy it's not the cool blue, it's it's the other blue. Um the one that's it. like a dark blue? No, it's the, like, like an Arctic light, Arctic Freeze. Oh yeah. Arctic yeah. Freeze, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had um Riptide Rush. That was my favorite oh, for a long Riptide time. Riptide Rush. That's um, a good one. I do love Fierce Melon too. I just it doesn't really taste like melon, but it just tastes so good. And, I don't think any of those taste like their flavors. Right? No. And then this was an old one. I swear this was only around for like two or three years, but I swear those two or three years I had this at every baseball game. Ice watermelon. It was those like clear Gatorades that they had flavored to them though. Gatorade oh, ice. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Watermelon yes. was the shit. It's funny, you actually just reminded me one of my favorite ones I didn't think of was uh, Strawberry Kiwi. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's like an yeah, OG flavor, too. Was a gr- and I don't, I can't remember seeing those. I don't r- think they sell them at anymore, all. to be honest. And then for cereal, I, uh, I had Reese's Puffs, and then mm-hmm. I'm a big mm-hmm. Strawberry Frosted Mini Wheats guy. Ooh, strawberry ooh, frosted, dude, huh? You get you get a straight-up strawberry milk afterwards. It's amazing. That sounds pretty goddamn delicious. You, you, you know what's not a good Gatorade, real quick, going back, is green apple. Ooh, I can't do green you apple guys, anything. I cannot either. Not a Jolly Rancher, which I don't really like anyways, but specifically not a Jolly Rancher. I remember but when I was uh, apples, no, 16 years no old. Good. On, or no. Yeah, 16 years old on New Year's Eve, I thought I'd be cool and do one shot for every year I'd been on Earth of green apple vodka. and yeah i don't know it was a terrible idea and i was hung over the worst i've ever been hung over my entire life and i can never enjoy green apple things again so shout out to 2005 2006 pat for being a dumbass i just think green apple is way too way too tart to be refreshing it's not a good flavor it really isn't like you mentioned jimmy um Jolly Ranchers, like I would rather have pretty much any flavor of Jolly Rancher other than Green Apple. I just do not <laughs> See, enjoy the Green Apple one. I don't even like Jolly Ranchers specifically 
Green Apple Jolly Ranchers. I think they're disgusting. I'm I will not, not be using those in my lean this week, let me tell you. Oh, it's I'm good. Change, I'm changing up the candy. You want it to be a nice purple tint, not as much yeah. greenish purple. <laughs> and then potato chip, my other one that was pretty much neck and neck with the Pringles was Jay's Barbecue Chips. Oh, Just classic, so good. classic chip. So good. I, I had, was going to uh, say go Pizza ahead. Pringles. Ooh. Do you guys remember those? I tried those. I don't those. even know if Only they make them times. anymore. Pizza I don't know why. Pringles. That was like one of the things that popped in my head. It just sounded good. I had uh, Fritos. Yeah. And love Fritos. And um, uh, what was the other one I had? Uh, shoestrings. Uh, shout out to Always Dad. Always love shoestrings. Yeah, shout out to Dad last week. See, I, I'm i more of a chili cheese Fritos guy than just regular Fritos. I could eat See, like those, an entire family-sized bag of chili cheese Fritos. I'm a big fan too, Pat. Those, those, those tasted too artificial for me. Yeah, but so good. Exactly. Which I know doesn't make, make a lot of sense, but I just... The best chips are was extremely not artificial. Fan. Well, I, I guess which is funny because all chips are artificial, obviously, and right. they all taste artificial, but and there's something about those that just didn't do it for me. Actually, you know what's really good, Pat, and you should try this next time, is Fritos in your chili. Oh, oh I've yeah. tried that before. That's Fritos a, that's scoops. A, that's a staple. Yeah, Fritos, Fritos scoop scoops, and, and you scoop the chili out. And... Instead of a spoon, yep. Or you crush it and use a spoon, too, but... <laughs> I'm all for like putting anything about in my this chili. For hours. Seriously. <laughs> so another great list, though, with the GOAT. Uh, we're going to keep these coming along with our Hall of Fame and mock drafts. We're going to work some fresh ideas in. You know, I think we have the most fun with these, so we're keeping them coming. For sure but we do. That's our show today. Thank you again, for everyone, for listening. Andy mentioned it earlier in the episode, but we are now recording this on Sunday nights instead of Tuesday nights. So we're looking for probably Monday releases now moving forward rather than the traditional hump day. So instead of working your way from the halfway point with us, we're going to get you started fresh every Monday with a new episode of Bros Let's Talk. Do us a favor, though. Help us out. Follow us on Twitter at Bros Let's Talk. Search us on Facebook at Bros Let's Talk. Like and share our page. If you want to follow any of us individually, I am at RiledUp17. Andy is at AndyBob17. And Jimmy is at JimmyRiley underscore. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Google Play Podcasts or visit our page directly at Podbean. Sorry, at BrosLet'sTalk.Podbean.com. For Jimmy and Andy, this is Pat. Later, bros. See ya. Peace. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have and we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. I just like the same place.